0: Welcome to Incommunicado, a weekly podcast exploring communication and the weird and wonderful realm of modern language. There's a special part of communication that's scorned by many, understood by few, but loved by us, and that part is jargon. Using jargon as a starting point for discussion, we want to delve deeper
1: into what communication really is, how we communicate in our day-to-day lives, how we develop meaning through language, and how we can better navigate it.
2: In each episode, we will be joined by a guest, delving into some of the big questions that we have. Why do we use jargon? When do we use it? Could we live without it? And when does it leave us incommunicado?
0: Welcome once again to Incommunicado. Today's podcast will be hosted by myself, James Dellen, the creative director of James Dellen Creative, a video communication and content marketing business. I'm joined also by James Burford, a recent music technology graduate from the Royal Birmingham Conservatoire, don't you know? And he works as a freelance marketer with a specific focus on managing social media campaigns. The third leg in this tripod is Miss Amy Borchardt a creative consultant specialising in HR strategy for the museums and cultural heritage sector internationally. James, we've got some fantastic guests on today. Would you like to introduce them for us, please?
1: I would love to. So today we're joined by Johnny Amos and Meldra Guja, directors of The Song Lab, a music production company based in the heart of Birmingham's historical jewellery quarter. They're a small independent company with a global reach and boasts an in-house recording studio, a record label and an education hub that offers artist development through both the Mass Records Partnership and through their funded community music projects. Johnny and Melger, welcome to our podcast. How are you doing?
3: Hello, it's very nice to be here. Thank you for inviting us to come along.
1: Yes, yeah, thank you for having us. Good, glad to be here. Yes, you are more than welcome. So <laughs> obviously we've got a, um, a bunch of questions and we're going to go through a bit of a discussion today all about communication, jargon, language in general. I'd like to know, what does communication mean to you?
4: The big question, yeah. Um, yeah, don't it's, start It's kind of it's kind of everything, really. You know, I mean, uh, it, it, even even though we all use so much uh, technology, you know, on a remote level and stem sharing and all these amazing apps that we all use, um, I think how we actually communicate ultimately kind of defines your reputation. Um, so you know, good manners go a long way. You guys know all about that. You're all lovely, polite people. Well, thank you very uh, much. But we 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 witness quite a few issues. With a lot of the young, the younger generation actually, that kind of treat emails like social media. will start with things like hi, you know. Yeah. And mm. it's a huge, important part of the process. As a producer, you know, probably ninety percent of the. Skills required are people skills, you know, whether that's in person or online or whatever. Understanding ideas, listening to people, you know. Yeah. It's the greatest gift you can give to anyone, isn't it, really, is to listen. I, I'm
0: going to jump in immediately because that's really interesting. We haven't had this angle yet about manners. And I wonder, is it bad manners to use jargon to somebody who doesn't know what you're talking
4: about? Yeah, I, mean, I think so, yeah. I mean, we had, the, we had the boiler engineer come around the other day. And, and you know, I opened the door and he was immediately talking boiler language. You know, uh, and 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 I said, I, I don't know your world, uh, but hopefully you've got notes that can tell you what's useful. <laughs> and it's the same kind of thing, really. You know, if I, if, if if it's a, a production job, like the, the, the kind of language that we would use differs all the time depending upon who we're dealing with. You know, yeah. um, you know how, how how we how we I might talk sort of uh, st- statistics and, and outcomes and stuff with with funders and with all partner organisations, but uh, when it comes to uh, an artist, you know, I might talk about uh, you know their their, their data or their, their tempo uh you know that kind of jargon but then when it comes to you know outreaching that artist onto the next level then we start talking about other stuff you know um, that's more suitable to their, their marketing campaigns or whatever so yeah i think it's but to de-jargonize is important to in order to kind of bridge that that gap because there's a lot of people i think these days and age that are kind of too scared to go what does that mean well, what do you mean by that? Uh, you know, yeah. we can scare people if we're not careful by overly using jargon. So it's relevant to whoever you're talking with, but the art form is knowing who that person is and and, uh, and what jargon to use with them.
0: Yeah, quite. I mean, that's really interesting that a, a boiler man comes in and just expects you to know everything there is about boilers. You know, what? why are you here if I know everything? You know, like... <laughs> Um, and, and that's customer facing as well you know i mean you can't assume that everybody knows the jargon that you're talking about and as you've quite rightly said johnny that the art forms knowing what it is in the first place and then knowing how to translate it and then knowing how to who to move around it with and who to actually talk about it with
4: yeah it's just it's just respecting those that don't understand the jargon you know like sure. for, for example um like some of the young producers that i mentor i always say to them you know try and get like a hundred really good adjectives that you can use for when talking about music. <laughs> um, whereas if, um, you know, because you can use those with artists, you can use that with the artist manager and they'll get it. Yeah. But in your own language, you can talk about, you know, gridded tempos and, and tempo mappings. and But don't tell them because they yeah. might not mean anything to them. You know? Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's an interesting translation there, though, between, um, you know, like you said, pick a hundred uh, adjectives. I wonder if any of those adjectives are things like, sheen or sparkle or mud or you know what i mean just just finding yeah. those ways of describing technical things that a producer might understand
4: oh yeah we well, have 97 left now so oh right well
0: yeah quite right. <laughs> I'll, I'll get my notepad i'll start i'll start from <laughs> number three here we go
1: okay so um if we move on then and and to our focus of jargon now we know that jargon a central use for it is to messy uh, to convey a message quickly easily but we also know that jargon comes in other forms other than just uh, in verbal. So I wonder then, in your background in composition and songwriting, are there sort of um, certain chord progressions or melody lines or instrumentation that songwriters would use as musical jargon, if you will? So my mind immediately goes to, you know, if you, if you write a song in the key of D minor, the association there is that, it's going to probably be a sad song. Do you see what I mean? I wonder if you employ those sorts of practices in your um, songwriting. Maybe if I'd start with you, Meldra.
3: Thank you very much. I think it will really depend on the technical readiness of the each each songwriter, really. And I think when it comes to professional songwriting, again, songwriters have to be mindful that artists, if they are new, let's say they're, 14 15 year olds but they're very good at writing top lines they might not always know that inside language uh, they might know if they've had maybe some musical training but sometimes singers just start out with having a really good voice and that is the key kind of uh, uh, ticket entry ticket for them into their team so to speak in which case again i think it goes back to the emotional intelligence of navigating that elegant challenge of uh, allowing everybody to feel as part of the team and equal in, in what they can bring to the table and not um, <clears throat> sorry, not necessarily kind of overshadow other people with your technical knowledge. Um, because the question is, do we want to show that we know loads of theory or do we want to get a good song? Mm. And mm. that ego trip is the question uh, that is... Uh, Always has to stay somewhere in the front yeah. of our um, our kind of mindfulness, and I think you, as you work with lots of different teams, you notice that there's a difference in in how you develop your relationships. And most of the time, people want to work with nice people where the communication is um, it's lovely, it's kind. There's equal respect because you know that each of you brings something good to the table. That you are knowledgeable, but at that level, you don't necessarily have to uh, recite the whole book of theory to Mm. showcase your knowledge. But Mm. yes, of course, there are shortcuts. uh, And it's much easier if you can work uh, together and talk in the same language, if people understand what you talk about, it's much quicker.
0: So I mean, that's, again, that's, that's really interesting to me, because we're touching on this idea of uh, in and out groups, or in groups and out groups. It sounds like it's perfectly feasible to have a production team and an artist that all need to be on the in-group, but it's 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 very, very easy to make one or uh, or a few of them feel like they're on the out-group, especially, say it's a band rather than one artist and a production team of maybe um, a producer, a recording engineer and, and a mix engineer down the line perhaps. You could have this um, unpleasant imbalance between people talking about how how they want the artist to perform and how they want the record to sound. I know they feed into each other, but that's where I can see this idea of 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 getting on the same page as being useful is to is to prevent that imbalance. I feel like we we sort of uncovered this whole thing with the bombshell of manners at the beginning of the the discussion because to me that is just good manners, making sure that everybody feels in, included.
4: It, do you know what? There there is jargon. Thinking about it, right? If we go, if we tap into our cognitive process when we write songs, we actually do use jargon. So so I'll give you an example. Um, I only just been thinking about this just now, but. Um, so when we go to writing camps, especially in Scandinavia, there's people from all over the world. There, you know, America, Australia, all over Europe. Um, English is the is the language that you know the common language that everyone uses, which is which is great for me, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, but we often talk in numbers, especially for the first hour of a songwriting session. Oh, wow. If we're uh, there's two types of numbers that we use. Um, and it's, it's music theory knowledge, really, but it's bypassing a lot of theory. So, what we do is we'll talk in numbers for chords and then we'll talk in numbers for melodies. So, um, we'll say something like, uh, should we go 6541? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like Nashville, we've got lots of thankful for the Nashville culture here, right? Because it is Nashville culture where session musicians walk in and they'll go, right, what we're playing? We're playing uh, one, five, six, four. Okay, cool. What key are we in? Whilst they're strapping up, we're in A. Cool. And they know what they're playing, right? Okay. Mm. And, and And I've noticed that that's been adopted in Scandinavia, uh, especially by a lot of Danish and Swedish writers. So we'll talk numbers when it comes to chords, decide on the key when we track the vocalist. Um, and then when it comes to melodies, we'll do the same thing. We'll say, right, um let's let's jump around on the first and third in the mm. verse and then when we get to the chorus we'll do a high jump up to the fifth and you know and and so there so before we've even you know thought about kind of the concept of where it's all going or whatever then then that's kind of something we do but then it's never spoken about again by lunchtime mm. you've code anymore wow or...
0: it, it you build the foundation in jargon and in um so just just to clarify the numbers that you're referring to are chords within a particular key and my yeah. my theory is not great anymore but for those who want to know you know
3: <laughs> as humans uh, there, there's uh, these heart strings are being pulled by a specific kind of movements so it's no surprise that certain uh, chord uh, patterns work however i think there's also that um magical balance between writing with your mind and writing with your heart that needs to kind of remain and actually talking about numbers but you mentioned about intervals Uh, something that i've noticed what has worked really well is um if i work with artists that i've never known before um in terms of their kind of um vocal capacity i actually sometimes it's almost like being a bit of a doctor i'll say what's the highest note that you can take (laughs) (laughs) a fun little activity and then i'll quickly work out what could be a nice little interval and then Based on that, I work out what key art can be yeah. in for that artist to be comfortable, without us spending a lot of time. Is this good? Is this good? Is that good? Yeah. Um, we do use the jargon, but we have to be mindful of the company. And it's just the There
4: is, but there's times where I don't use the jargon, but because I know what people want. So in, in this social media generation, what we see seen uh, what I'm seeing a lot is a lot of emerging writers that come through that just use kind of Americanizations mm-hmm. to their their kind of verbal culture, which is fine. It is what it is. Uh, just did it then, uh, but um, <laughs> but, hmm. but I, I, I understand what they're looking for, but I just don't discuss the jargon. So, for example, if we're making, a, I don't know, like a sad bop, future bass kind of track, I, I know that if we want it to sound sad but hopeful, so straight away I'm going to go Dorian mode, that's, okay. what we're going, to use. that's yeah. going to get what we need, and and then they're going to use words that are non-jargonized in order to react to it, such as "that's the vibe" or "that's killer" or "yeah, that's a smash." Let's work with that. So it just fire be- emoji exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so it just becomes this kind of de-jargonized process because I've taken the jargon out.
2: But again, it goes back to who you like knowing who your audience is because when you were talking about the writing camp. I had no idea what you were saying just then. The one, <laughs> five, four. No, no, but it, it's great. Like, it's so interesting. But the assumption is there. you were all the in-group and that—that mm. that is your language. But as soon as you, you know, you're now talking about social media, the language you use is completely adapted to, to what people can understand.
4: Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and actually, it's funny because the, the theory thing, if, if, if ever we do number talk like that and there's somebody in the room that doesn't get it, it can feel really disengaging. So yeah. if we're in a team of three and there's two of us that get that language and the other person that doesn't, I immediately default back to more basic language because mm-hmm. I don't want them to feel like they're not included. Because yeah. when, you, when you're writing a song together, you know, you're, you're very often working with people that you never met before. You might not ever see them again. And yet you've got to kind of open your hearts to one another and really open up about certain feelings or, yeah. or projections of where they think this could go. Or and, and, you know, you kind of have to build a bond like that. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. That's why a lot of emerging songwriters really struggle on those kind of things because they're like, I don't know this person. I'm not going to open my heart. We well, have to. You it's have your job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Quite.
2: Yeah. It, but it goes back to what you said at the beginning. It's all about listening as well. The yeah. art of listening. Oh yeah. To, to understand.
4: So true. Do you know what, Amy? When we um whenever we have like guests come in to the to the song lab, or sometimes we are in A and Rs or managers or marketeers or whatever. And, and 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 there's one common denominator amongst absolutely every guest we've ever had. Um and it's just be kind like it's just such uh, such an important thing and because you know if you think about hard skills and soft skills right you, it, people we, we grow up thinking that the hard skills get us work and they yeah. don't because they're just a prerequisite you know yeah. Yeah. but the soft skills is what gets you work it's just it's, it's overlooked sometimes it's really important mm-hmm. and like, I, I i i know for not for certain but i think i'm pretty sure that there are other producers and writers that are on the same roster as us um and and I, I sometimes get sent to international camps ahead of them, even though they're better than me, because they know that I'm going to be polite, I'm going to be on time, yeah. um, I'm going to get the job done. There's, I can immediately think of a couple of producers that are better than me, no doubt about it. But, mm-hmm. uh, but, it, but
2: it's the relationship building that, that you talk about. It, it is. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. The whole world exists on relationships.
3: Oh, of course. I it might sound a little bit out there, but even... Organizations and corporations and, and different companies. Even when you think about media, the journalists, they, they move from one journal or magazine uh, to another, and it's those relationships that keep you actually. So know it's kind of not that complex, but actually it is, because sometimes we need to be mindful about our emotional reactions our own resistance uh, our own environment uh, how we are feeling if maybe we are overreacting you know there's lots Thank of uh, very very clever people that have written tons of books about these themes <laughs> and i do love those books <laughs> so. Um, yes, it, it's a it's a wonderful um, thing that we as humans have the ability to communicate, and it can take us to amazing places, and it can also bring you down to to kind of never working again. Often it is yes the soft skills that will do the work, but yeah. either mm. good or, or bad sense. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Because the the sort of umbrella concept to what what you, specifically you just said, Johnny, about being invited over to a camp ahead of producers that might be technically better than you, your words, but you're, um, you know, the umbrella concept of that is that people work, uh, people buy from people and people work with the people that they want to work from. And, you know, you're, you're, you're a business at the end of the day, your, your commodity is different to mine, but I found that, um, in terms of me selling, it's not about what I do and how I do it. It's about who I am and how I present my business to
4: them. Do you know the biggest problem we find in this area across the board is actually generally with artists mm. um, that, that 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 think that they have a really firm grip of kind of who and what they are, mm-hmm. um, but then really struggle when it comes down to it. Um, and I think I think again, actually, this is, it goes back to the social media uh, generation we're, we're dealing with. You know, is that is that there's so much fear about putting something into the public domain you know there's there's so many young people out there now that have got songs sat on their hard drive gathering dust because they're they're too afraid to put them out because they're opening themselves up to criticism and it's something which we really really but there's a stage before that which is being really comfortable with who and what you are as an artist you know what your message is you know, and like if you, you take any top artists from around the world in, in one or two sentences, you could probably encapsulate what their message is. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know pink, rebellious messages of, uh, you know, of, of, of standing up to the establishment. You know, mm-hmm. Katy Perry, fluffy messages about marshmallows and love. Taylor Swift, you know, heart on your sleeve. You know, these are really short yeah. sentences and there are exceptions, but generally those messages fall in alignment with those artists album after album.
0: So that that's interesting because we're moving into this idea of authenticity and um how how that can uh, certainly in business you know the more authentic you are the more you're going to um resonate with the right people that that help your business grow and that that you make sales from blah 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 blah. In music there's a there's a part of me that wonders what your thoughts are on whether the authenticity is uh augmented by record company or whether in some cases it's just entirely made up and which do you think is more successful?
3: Mm, That's a very good (laughs) question and I think the answer would depend uh, based on which era in time. Oh
0: okay, oh yeah,
3: go on then. (laughs) (laughs) um, I truly believe that this is a phenomenal time for any young artist or any up-and-coming artist because never have they ever had more uh, chances to just get stuff done mm-hmm. and do it on their own terms but also it comes at a quite a high cost of knowing a lot and having a lot of different skills uh, so you kind of need to have your own inbuilt team in your head to be able to uh, deal with your image with your sound with with your ideas about launching yourself it's literally like running a business but just from your own one set of brain, basically, yeah, yeah. to have your artistic side and your very business-minded side. So in that sense, it's more challenging. However, people uh, people can really build their ability to negotiate. And as such, they might actually have more time to work out who they are, um, which is generally quite positive uh, because if you know who you are, it doesn't mess with your integrity and you kind of feel that you are saying what you want to say. And also, you feel empowered. So that's good. Plus, if you can build your audience and, and kind of create success, it, it becomes a very good tool to to get better deals. Uh, the other option, of course, is when we look at examples where somebody really young has been signed and maybe the guidance around them haven't been that wonderful. And as a result, they feel that they've been, as, as they would say, often molded into something. Okay. Uh, well, it's not always that it's been a, a mean intention from the start. It might be that there's been a talent, but maybe that talent hasn't known always who they want to be because it takes time. It takes life experience to kind of think, what do I actually want to say? And what do I have to say? Is there anything that I actually feel like oh, I have to say to, to people that listen to my music? And, and naturally, people grow up, they grow older, they go through changes in their life and their own views change. And suddenly if you've been signed really early and maybe you feel like you've been molded into somebody who you're not, then we have that conflict at one point. And we see that over and over again, we've seen it um, where people suddenly say, that's it, this is not me. I'm somebody completely else. And actually in humans life, it's a normal process, Mm. but it always feels more dramatic within the context of um, recording artists uh, lifespan. So the authenticity and integrity is a question that is it's quite complex it, it's, it just never, it's never
4: been as true as it is now though really. what yeah. we're really talking yeah. about pr isn't it and you know yeah. you, if you think back to uh let's take, for example more kind of mainstream bubblegum acts like let's say for example we talk about boy bands in the 90s you know uh very often um you know you might have a member uh, of a boy band that was that was gay but they weren't allowed to talk about it Mm-hmm. And, and now it's like it's no, please talk about yeah, it. Like we're yeah. in the, we're in the age of believability now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in, we're in an age where the internet has exposed a lot of truths, and and people like that. You know, there's more transparency in the world, or they they're kind of, there's certainly there's certainly more than there used to be because mm-hmm. of what the internet yeah. has done. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it it, it it's, it's a good thing. You know, we, we're we're in a time right now where where you know behind the scenes footage of how to make a music video is getting more views than <laughs> <the you're video>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah of course because people are craving that authenticity that believability uh that is more so around i think now but it goes back to pr again you know um i mean you know there's there's it's so billie billy island she's a good example of this you know so you know there, there is there is she's is so good at what she does she's so believable Mm -hmm. she's so talented she has a message which has resonated with young ladies all over the world and for that she will always be remembered regardless of where she goes next she will always be remembered for that golden era at the start of her career Mm -hmm. was it real maybe maybe not does it matter
3: It doesn't actually. It doesn't matter.
4: Yeah. I'm not convinced that she is as fragile as she's made out to be because that falls in line with her story. You know, Mm -hmm. that that idea of her brother, you know, lighting some matches and we'll put that in as the snare so it feels real. That sits with the body of your message to your fans. You know, whether it's real or not doesn't really matter, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, because it helps people to be able to understand and listen to something and really empower them. Like I, there's so many, uh, you know, young ladies and young men all over the world that have been so inspired by her message that sits within the context sure. of her music. Yeah. And that's great. You know, I don't believe that personally, I think she's got balls of steel. I think she gets up at the Grammys and knocks everybody away doesn't drop mm. I don't think you can do that if you're fragile as hell. So, you know, um, it doesn't matter if her message isn't real. What matters is that it's been perceived as reality. Okay. And that mm. right there is what PR is all about. That's,
3: absolutely. Yeah. Also, we have to remember that a song is a snapshot of time. It's yeah. a snapshot mm. of emotion. We all have our ups. We all have our downs. So there might be a moment when you feel um, like you're absolutely crushed and you're mm. very fragile, but then... As humans, we tend to think, okay, I've moved about about a little bit, I've been a bit sad, right, I'm going to get myself together it. now, I can do it. Mm. And that is natural also for artists, I think. And sometimes in that deepest uh, darkness of, of emotion is, is when you can create some of the most wonderful work. Um, and then you can perform it when you feel very strong and you might feel very happy. Um, so that's the beauty. I think we have to remember that we are emotional human beings, and there's those natural waves of emotions. And just because at some point we felt really down doesn't mean that it's always uh, a, a definition of who we are. And equally, if we are quite positive, it doesn't mean that we're twenty four seven like uh, like uh, supercharged. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
4: Sure. We're, we're we're past the era of scripted reality TV now, to a certain sense, aren't we? When mm-hmm. you really Thank think God. You know, when, thank God, yeah. But, you know, if you really think about it, like you go back 20 years, what happened is was the launch of, you know, Big Brother. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was all too, it was all very real. It was all very raw, but then people got bored. So things like Towie came along where it was like, it feels real, but it's actually kind of semi-structured. It's, mm-hmm. it's a script. Um, and that's fine. People buy into that as well. But the point is, it's evolved, it's changed, you know. So we, now we're in an era where we scroll dead-eyed through Instagram watching a one-minute video of like you know somebody making something amazing and we forget that actually it's taken three weeks to draft mm-hmm. that idea together and seven thousand takes to get it right yeah. because mm. you're going to get one minute with it or less than that you know yeah.
1: mm. you know in your work you deal with people uh, like from from both ends of the scale so you've got artists but then you've also got uh when when, when you you work with people at the more corporate end of of the uh of the spectrum as well so We've we've discussed a little bit on this podcast so far about the idea of being this like linguistic chameleon and having to change your language all the time. I wonder like whether you catch yourself doing that or how often that happens to you. Hmm.
3: That's a very good question. And it imagine is. if English is not your first language. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another little twist in a scenario. Uh, to be honest, I find that the way my brain works, and I've done quite a lot of reading about how we think uh, in terms of, uh, in order or not in specific order. Me and Johnny, we've had a discussion many times uh, because my thoughts will jump from seven to one to eight to nine to two to
0: three. Hey, there's so, the code progression uh, again.
3: Uh, yeah, <laughs> here we go. Me <laughs> yeah, is very good at going from one, two, three, four, five. So when I talk to Johnny, I'm very mindful to go from one and actually since I've met you, that has really helped me to be super clear in my communication and go from one. Because I've often had that uh, so much enthusiasm and drive that I would expect people to catch me on five Mm. and I'm a little bit irritated if they don't get me. Yeah, for sure. So uh, actually, it it is quite important to be mindful of our thoughts and particularly if you are an idea generator, to, if you have the great idea, keep it, but then explain how it ha- why and how mm-hmm. and what are we doing with it. In terms of switching between different uh, technical sides of languages, I think it's just a case of take a bit of a deep breath and think, right, where am I going and what am I doing? I think it really can help. Sometimes if you're being caught off guard, it can be like, whoa, 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 right, where am I? Right. No, I've got a good example uh, of this actually. Yes, so, so, so
4: we were we were in a writing camp in Denmark a couple of years ago, and we were doing that thing that we talked about earlier, where we talked about numbers, records, and um, and then like the week after we came back, and we were we we were delivering some training through SongLab for services for education for Birmingham Music Services, so training the teachers on how to use composition and technology in the classroom because they're off their pressure to kind of incorporate it. Anyway, so we were we were talking about chord formulas. And then because of the, the, the mentality of some of those music teachers and they are great, great people, but they are classically trained and, 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 um, and they've perhaps not applied that context outside of training before. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: So I was saying things like chords, chord sequences, like six, one, four, five. And they'd be like, are you talking about being in the minor? Like, yeah, well, the minor should be one. And I was like, right. Mm -hmm. So that's, you're right. You're absolutely right but that doesn't fit the context of how the commercial world actually works. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like for example, my, my, my role at at, um, the university where I teach, I'll talk about melodic construction. I'll talk about disjunct and conjunct melodic motion and they'll go, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I get how that works. And I'll say, quick caveat guys. No one uses those terms. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) They're in books. And I'm going to teach you what's in the book, and it's it's the right thing. But you'll never use these terms because they're not recognised by hit songwriters. Yeah. But
3: sometimes it's good just to be aware. It's almost like knowing that I don't know if you had a painful foot, knowing that there's a name for the illness. It kind of settles you down. Oh yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. It's not that there's just a random thing I'm thinking about. It actually is a thing. Yeah. And, and then you feel yeah, it's, more good, it's good to have framework
4: around your thinking as yeah. then as long as it doesn't then become jar- jargonized and alienates others,
0: you know. It's yeah, yeah. a tough balance, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, yeah. Um uh, Meldra, I I um you seriously resonate with that idea of jumping around my ideas and then being like being frustrated that people can't follow me. Like, come on guys, get my level, what are you talking about? So like this idea of having to take a breath and then just work it from one, from the beginning and then move through your idea is uh, is yeah it, it's something that's been very helpful to me and i actually find that jargonizing it in my head is quite useful because then i can um i know what it is that i want to say and then i start to unpack what that what those pieces of jargon are and so i mean my guys know and i don't know if you've noticed yet but i'm quite a verbose person i like talking and so for me to go through that process of jargonizing, then unpacking, then explaining, I think that it slows me down so that I don't get frustrated that somebody can't follow me. And I think it might bamboozle people who are trying to follow me sometimes, but at least there's a thread of something that they can hold on to, and I'll likely repeat myself point by point by point so that the communication works. Now, that for me that's an example of how i can jargonize to myself i can shortcut to myself but actually i take my subject on the scenic route to get to where we want to be in the end but it works either way if you know what i mean yeah, yeah. if we've got the, the luxury of time
4: question there is how quickly can you build chronology into your cognition that's the real question if you really wow. have that
3: As Johnny said, what matters is that we get the point across at the end of the day. And also, James, there's actually nothing wrong with our thinking styles. I have the name of the scientist has left my brain at the moment, but there's a very interesting (laughs) test where you can check what is your thinking style. And the moment that I did the test as part of just uh, many things that I do, uh, (laughs) because I'm interested in human mind, I thought, wow, okay, so there's like about 25% of the planet think... Potentially like I do. I all right. well then, all I need to do is, within the business context, make sure that people understand me. And um, and sounds like taking a scenic route is a, another great description. i <laughs> yeah. explain it. And, and that is exactly what it is. Um, but of course, in our own head, we have, we know our own context. If we go back to some uh, very kind of ancient uh, philosophers, they said that only the idea is ideal now what it actually means is that the moment we verbalize something each person will look at it at the idea with their context and with their pre-existing knowledge so the idea is not ideal anymore because it was only ideal in your head uh, because you would need to explain your whole everything from the time that you were born to to kind of make it come across exactly as it is. Yeah. I mean, we don't even know if we see the same colours.
0: As a philosophy nerd myself, you know, bringing Plato's theory of thought, form into our podcast has delighted me. So thank you very much for that, Marjorie. I like I, I like talking about form and the idea that as soon as you say, as soon as it's in the world, it's not the ideal. It can't possibly be the ideal.
4: Idea is only internal. No, James, that's the thing, isn't it? Of it's only internal. Yeah. you can't copyright an idea. It's yeah. how you express that idea that ultimately becomes copyrightable. You know, it's like you uh, know when you hear people that say things like, "It sounds good this song, but it doesn't sound like it does in my head." And I go, "Well, I can't see how it sounds. How it hear yeah, how it yeah, sounds yeah. in your head." So you're going to have to extend your vocabulary and think deeply about what's in your mind in order to articulate what it is. Yeah. Otherwise, it stays in your mind. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, Meldred you were talking about this idea of taking someone from point one to point B to whatever. Did I just say point one to point (laughs) B? Point one to point two to point three. But that's not how creativity works, you know? Like, in your head, you might not know how you came to that idea. And it's not always, at least for me, like, I couldn't tell you how this idea went from point one to two to three to four. Um, But in terms of communicating that idea to somebody else... That's where it becomes important to try and again, again, like uh, Johnny was saying, like find some chronology to 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 help someone to understand.
0: Johnny, in our um, initial discussion that we had before we came to podcast recording, we we touched on something that I find very interesting, which is this idea of uh, people coming to you as consultants and saying, "Give me feedback to my song." And uh, Meldra, we, we had this discussion that all of us had this discussion about. Um, You know, people come to you and say, bro, what do you think of my song? Johnny, you have had a lot of success in um, getting responses to emails in that vein. Not that you use that language, but I wanna talk about the language that you may use and how it's a case of speaking someone else's language. You know, you individualize who you're talking to. How do you go about discovering and then talking to people in, in their language?
4: right okay yeah i didn't even realize i was doing this until a few years back it's about 10 years ago actually i was at a, an event at, um, at the prs the old prs building in london and um and there was there was a well there still is a, a publication called songlink international and I, I started subscribing to it because it was where you get leads for songs, you know, like from labels and managers yeah. and stuff. So I started subscribing to it and I got like seven cuts in the, in the first year, some oh. cuts, sorry, that's jargon. And uh, that means uh, my, my song being placed with the artist. Um, and uh, and I was like, wow, this is, this is going good. And then the, this guy on the panel at the PRS is like, you're the guy that got all those songs on three song. How did you do it? And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I just emailed the songs to, you know, the, the, the the, the publishers or the, the managers or whatever and like and then all these other people in the room said i emailed myself why do you get replies i don't get replies and then i was like well let's have a look at your email what did you send and it was so boring yes. what they were sending i've been into music since the age of six who <laughs> no cares, like, who cares? Yeah. i mean you know your mom might care but like the person that doesn't know you that's reading that email doesn't care like that's that's harsh right I, I'm, I'm seeing it by some people as being harsh there, but it's the grown-up truth isn't it yeah. so i said i go look let's have a look at what i said so i sent and i sent like two sentences this is the song this is the vibe this is the the mood that's attached to it this is how it could aid a visual this is the kind of genre it sits in most naturally and this is the kind of artist that you'd be suitable for best wishes johnny boom and and i was finding that i was getting replies and i wasn't even thinking about what my cognitive process was there because subconsciously i was going right what do those people want to read mm-hmm. i'm going to put it in their language you know um, and so you know if they want to know how how long you've been playing music or you know what what's the favorite color or whatever they'll ask <laughs> you that after they've heard the song if they and if they're really mm-hmm. you know they really want mm-hmm. to know what your favorite yeah. color is yeah. but absolutely
3: um, it's again you're being mindful about somebody else's time and actually helping them. Because we need to remember, each human has their own life. So when they email things through to them, maybe they've just been on a phone with their aunt and the aunt has broken a hip. And so they are preoccupied with different things and suddenly there comes an email with a random song and somebody's biography and they think, okay, w- what is this? But if you get there with two sentences and say, all right, actually I am looking for something exactly like this yeah. and they've said it there in plain language, it's just much easier so it's not it's not sneaky or strange it's just a case of helping people to understand why you are reaching out to them in the first place yeah isn't yeah, it? yeah like the, it
4: the emails i send to sync agents are so different from like what i tend to an artist you know yeah. um i'm talking more about like uh you know yeah, yeah we've got full clearance on this master everything's clear blah, blah, blah. you know whereas if to an artist it might be more like you know the drums loud enough you know yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's just that different language and that yeah. and the different using the different language is built from the expectation of what you think that language will be so mm-hmm. in other words kind of going you know and saying right this is a music supervisor what do they need to know they need to know about suitability and how the song will aid a visual that's, that, that's literally it that's yeah. all they need to know and they're mm-hmm. going to say yes or they're going to say no or they're not going to reply but at least they're going to know what i'm what I'm trying sure. to pitch here yeah. um, as opposed to sending two paragraphs about the formation of the song or the band or it's 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 but it's
3: Mm. interesting because actually what you're saying is ideally when you want to kind of manage your own catalogue or manage your own career you do need to understand the business
4: yeah yeah as simple
3: as that there's no kind of uh, shortcut i don't think there are shortcuts anywhere really in life at all i mean even if you want to bake a cake a a shortcut probably is not going to work as nice as doing it properly
0: well yeah I, I, i i agree um I think shortcut is is a, an interesting term to use here, because for me, it, it's not about... Uh, a shortcut, in terms of jargon, comes after the fact. You have to know the concept that you're talking about, you have to know the definition of the words that make up that concept, and then you have to know how that's abbreviated into a piece of jargon, and how that jargon's applied. So there's, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's more than that, but in my version, in my little made-up version right now, there's four steps to understanding what one piece of jargon means. That is not a shortcut. However, in two years time, when you when that knowledge is embedded, it does become somewhat of a shortcut. Certainly becomes more of an efficient way of talking. Maybe maybe shortcut is something that we've latched onto and we uh, we could amend to to talk about efficiency rather than shortcut because you can't shortcut baking a cake, but you can definitely make the process more efficient by having the right amount of flour and the right amount of eggs and knowing how they interact with each other and actually turning the oven on before you start doing your mixing do you know what i mean like it's that's
3: so good yes but and but you see again it goes back to that knowledge so when i say about the shortcuts i mean that we just cannot expect to know it all without actually putting in the work we cannot expect to be better at instrument play Mm. at somebody else without putting in the hours um and we cannot expect to build business connections without putting in the attention, energy, and um, just genuine interest in people. Uh, because if you only reach out to people when you need something, it's quite obvious. Oh,
4: absolutely. <laughs> and it yeah. doesn't mm, feed yeah. a good
3: relationship. Does yeah. It? So, yeah, I think shortcuts is that we, when I think about shortcuts, I know that there's different ways of looking at it. I think about it as can't be lazy. If you yeah. want to be able to be effective, efficient and quick and use shortcuts. Yeah. Uh, you can't have shortcuts with your own development. You need to put hours in.
4: Yeah. But also that, that example you gave earlier, James, about the what do you think of my song bro? You know that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> yeah. Which is which is which is social media Drifting into emails, but the, the the language needs to be more formalised in the, the email. But, yeah, of but uh, anyway, um, but but it's it's a problem because uh, I had one literally two days ago, um, and uh, and I said to, feedback on on what on 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 the mood on the genre on the structure. you're yeah, yeah, all of those things. Like, oh God, I've just set myself up now. No, i have got, <laughs> no, got to give critique on all those things now. You asking about the mix? Are you asking about the suitability <laughs> of distribution? Are you, you know, yeah. there's so much to it. You know, it's just like, and also, it's a big ask, right? Like, yeah. it's a big ask to say mm-hmm. something. Can you, like, for absolutely no cost, can you listen to this song a good three times and tell me everything I need to do with it to? A better, why would I do what? Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Why
3: are we going to do that? Yeah. But also, the question is: Why? What will the person asking the question do? Why are they reaching out? Are they reaching out because they want a bit of a, kind of a tap on the shoulder? And say, Oh, well done! That's lovely. I love sure. the song. Yeah. Or, yeah, which is
4: usually what they want.
3: Or yeah. is it that yeah. they need to say, "Oh God," there's a bit of issues with some of the filtering of sound. There, you need to work on that. There, it's a bit. Yeah. Are they yeah. happy? What kind of feedback actually they're after? Praise or some kind of developmental element? And I think that's a question that, again, people need to be careful when they ask, uh, because you you could be too honest, and they might feel uh, like um, they've been thrown out of the boat of the safety. That
4: yeah, yeah, it's
3: yeah. yeah. Not, equilibrium has been shaken. Mm,
0: yeah, <laughs>
4: that's a tough
0: one. I feel yeah. there's a real distinct line there between consultancy and coaching. And mm-hmm. your coaching is yes, dear, yes, oh yes, it's very, very nice oh. song. You know, maybe we could do this next time, and maybe we could have a little bit more of this here and a little bit more of that there. And then consultancy is you need to change this, you need to change that, you need to change that. And you need to change those things to this end. That is the point of why we're making these changes. I I, I feel like not a lot of people would email you, Johnny, and say, look, I've got budget for consultation here. I would like you to tell me which part of this song is not working. Is it the sonic that isn't working? Is it the top line? Is it the the harmonics? Is it the language between what here is this and this? The reason I want to know these things is because I want to put it out under this imprint. And if that's something you can help me with, I have budget for uh, extra consultation after that. What do you think? I bet you don't get a lot of those emails, right?
3: (laughs) <laughs> no, I think with that
0: language... Wish. wish. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're like, okay, let's do business. You know, you've got budget. You've you've given me... A, you've briefed me on what my consultation needs to be. So let's get it done, you know. and th- But everybody wins in that scenario because you've come in... The artist, anyway, has come in uh, on a very honest playing field and a very respectful playing field because they know that what you're doing is not just free coaching you know you have expertise in this you know what you're doing because you're successful in your field and uh, as are you meldry you know i'm not singling johnny out you're both very successful in what you're doing
3: i agree to that to some extent but equally i think there's always the discussion uh, around the um the experience and that absolutely phenomenal uh, naive enthusiasm that can fuel such change and I think that's why at somewhere we're very passionate about running several programs that are fully funded so uh yeah. we can offer that kind of um opportunity to younger artists that might actually ju- it's not the case that they don't appreciate something it's just it's unaffordable basically so something that we might be offering to somebody who is over 40 or 30 years old that have job that can afford um kind of the consultation that's one thing but um somebody that's like 14 up and coming, just absolutely fantastic producer with so much going for them, but maybe they they really struggle and, and they're, they're struggle with their home life, this, that, and the other, you never know. But, um, so I always think there's, there are things we can give based on experience, but we should never, ever, ever take out the fire that somebody that doesn't have experience, have, because that fire, oh my God, it can drive them. Yeah, and sometimes it yeah. will drive them into a bit of a mistake and that's okay. Because Because the fire will make make them resilient. Yeah, but but the mistake is their mistake. And then that fuels them for another inspirational thing. So, yeah, I think it's a balance there. I've always, uh, one thing that I'm not too keen is when people say, oh, the young people, they they don't know anything. Because, yeah, that's what all of us are. We don't know much. And that's the beauty. Because we think that everything that happens, happens for the first time. And we can pass that message to our audiences, yeah. to those young people within that time. And that's why sometimes I think, oh, I feel a bit low. You know what? I need to listen to some '80s music, and it brings me back to a good emotion. <laughs> 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 yeah. we need to listen to the newest yes. 2020 record because that's what their language is like. Right it's, it's
4: just knowing sometimes that the, the, yeah. the, right. Is am I going to mentor here? or Am I going to facilitate? Yeah, it? yeah. Okay. You know. One of the, 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 newest trends we're, we're all seeing now, whether we realize it or not, is snapshot choruses at the start of a song, uh, which, mm. right, which is a hallmark of the streamable era, you mm-hmm. know, uh, where, we, you know, if you take certain songs that have been, you know, big hits over the years, you know, I don't know, Calvin Harris, One Kiss with Duel you know, mm. boom, straight in. One kiss is yes, it. Yes, it is, isn't it? No. Mm. there's no there's no backwards reverb tail going in there's no tw- mm. second intro or outro and and uh, I mean okay that's a great example of a great song but there are others there are songs that still start with a verse but just have like a four bar scaled down fragmented version of the chorus before you go in just so that people yeah. can skip
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely I think I said at the at the top of this podcast that I asked you whether you'd implemented pieces of, as I say, musical jargon in your songwriting. Well, repeating the same chord progression over and over again for, as you say, like twenty-four bars—that is now in your head. Yeah, Mm. and 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 that's it. You've you've got someone hooked. Brilliant. They've they've done that. The repetition and the instrumentation of that. Yeah, you, you've you've nailed it straight away.
0: You're, you're able to um, create a sense of familiarity within three minutes, and that sense of familiarity leads to an in-group, and that in-group leads to more streams, and those streams lead to more money. So, well done, chain smokers, You know this this mm. it, it's a real. You know, do we the the question is though, guys? Do we think they knew what they were doing? Do you think mm-hmm. this is yes. a theory? You do. You think it was all <laughs> yeah. engineered, and it's not, not based artistic. on our
1: conversations today with uh, with, with Johnny. And yeah, Android, well. I, I,
0: go on sorry i
1: I could i could yeah definitely imagine that they did know what they were doing well
3: the mixture there's a mixture of knowing and feeling sure yeah because we have to remember taking slightly away from the music what we're made of we're water the water has been proven to react very well with music and different chords there's a reason how we've been brought up in a certain environment often quite similar environment in what we hear so here comes a, another metaphor. Okay. Just like wolves are kind of howling towards the moon, we, it's almost like we have antenna in our ears. Yeah. And when we feel that recognition, that, that, that there's that change, maybe there's a passing chord and it just evokes emotion. We can't help mm. it. We don't always understand it, but we feel that it creates some kind of feeling mm. and like a magnet to it. Oh, yeah. We can't mm-hmm. help
4: it. Actually, sub-range is, yeah. the, is, is, the, is the most human uh, the, the, the human calling isn't it yeah. you know the, the sub base of we don't even necessarily hear it
3: but feel we, it. But we feel, it. Yeah. feel it and that's uh, well, God, this is, you know this podcast could go on for a few hours now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. we have to remember about our instincts about the most basic instincts the drum and the bass and how that really will affect our feeling towards a song and if we like the arrangement tribal, isn't it? in terms of the chords again that will link in with with how we feel and how we understand our emotions. Um, so it all just goes back to um, that tension and release and, and the whether it's joy or sadness. Um, it's just how our brain works. It's the waves. Even our brain waves are affected by music. So the point that I'm making is whether they knew 100% what they were doing or they were feeling it, it almost yeah. doesn't matter because we all share the same thing. We
2: are humans. You know when you were talking about getting your music or reaching out to um I don't know if you use the term publishers sorry because I'm not familiar with the music industry I don't I don't know if I'm using the right words but you said like they don't care if when you were five you first you picked up your first guitar and that's really interesting because it's like you need to think about the timing of authenticity so all of our conversation up till that point was about You know, as an artist, you need to be really authentic. And I feel like people that are new to the industry, that's exactly what they're trying to do in their emails when they're sending this song. But Mm. actually, it's that tension between business and public audience, because as a business, that's not what you're looking for. That authenticity part can come in later. Mm. But it's like at the moment, we care about the product and then we care about
4: that, that is a very good point, but it can be filtered and actually kind of uh into relevance there as well, I think. Mm. It's 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 if if you've done, you know, lots and lots of songs and lots of great gigs and people are gonna go, Okay, so who are you? When did this all start? Yeah, that's the introduction method, it's quite disengaging for a lot of people. Mm. It's yeah, it's it it's an interesting point you've made there actually, Amy. I haven't yeah. really thought about it from that angle before. Mm.
2: It's mm. like we want to know that you're good, and then we care about your backstory, and yeah. then maybe we can bring in that backstory, yeah, you know, in, into your branding later on.
4: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But I think it's it's almost like
3: a grown up truth that we should just be okay with. Um, it's presumed that you probably would have to be good. It nobody would expect to be very interested in you if you're not good. Yeah. So of course, people. In the in the era where nobody seems to have enough time, they want to see that you are good, and then they will be interested. And, yeah. and to be honest, that's I, I find that you build your reputation like that without so everybody. It sometimes can feel tough to go into a new room where nobody knows about you before, etc. Cetera, et cetera, but you, you prove yourself, and then suddenly you are friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really, Well, it can be the other way around, but it tends to be that when you are a grown up, you just have to be like a little lion. Just go in there show you can do it and then you're friends oh isn't that nice <laughs> yeah. there are lots of people that don't have time for you unless you're good mm-hmm. and it's it's a harsh truth but it is truth and is truth sorry and i think with publishers it's publishing is, is slightly different subject so um Maybe with a record label, there would, would be a different way of talking. But again, it's just get to the point. You know, yeah, sure. yeah, get, get to the chorus. Yeah, chorus. Yeah. <laughs> well,
4: I, I, just, just to backtrack slightly on one thing, because I think this is relevant to what you said as well, is that if it's a label pitch, there might be interest in that backstory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with publishers, they, they, it's, it's not that they don't care who you are, but it's just it, the s- songs are the common denominator. So wh- who wrote the song is not as important as the song. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, well, no, no, that no, that is true. Actually, yeah. Now. We are
3: talking. Uh, Sorry, pub- publisher. <laughs> uh, you could say the publisher is an agent for a song, so their <laughs> business is the song, not yeah. so much the writer or the artist or the or the broken-hearted story or whatever yeah. it yeah. might be. It's like right where this song could work well. Mm-hmm. It's the when you talk about the email, it was more about okay, where could we make this uh, song suitable? Where where would it actually yeah. do its best job? Uh, whereas Potentially, if you were talking to a manager or to somebody within the label kind of uh, context, you would say, this artist will be very relevant to this group of young people yeah. for reasons because this is their own backstory. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it just, again, it's, it's as we said in a, in our initial meeting, yeah. you have potatoes and you decide what meal you're going to make with it. You <laughs> yeah. just need to make it relevant.
2: Th- that's so- the thing. It's not about not being authentic then. It's about, it's a different type of authenticity. Yeah. Your pitch, you're being authentic, but you know you're, you're getting to the point of what you want to do with your track, and it's not—it's no—it's no, it's suddenly not about you anymore, but it's about where you want to go with, yeah, with your product.
4: It's, do you know what, Amy? I think it's the same thing as streaming songs—you've yeah. got to give that snapshot, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, to keep people interested. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, if they're interested in that, they'll keep going. I think that, it, it's a shame that it's that way, but I think it is just that way. the yeah.
0: yeah. I think the. There's just one development that I'd like to make to your point, Amy, which is that um, when so forget about publishers and artists, but when somebody wants to engage somebody else uh, for their benefit, they need to make sure that they're expressing what the benefit is to the other person first. So the publisher isn't going to take a punt on somebody, even if they're the best guitarist that they've ever come across in their whole life. If it's not going to benefit the publisher or if it's going to cost the publisher too much, whether that's. Um, money reputation whatever then uh yeah they're not they're not in it seems to me anyway they're not going to be interested because it is business at the end of the day
4: mm-hmm.
0: you know mm-hmm. uh, yeah. we've commoditized music to the point where that needs to happen in order for an artist to break through they need to express what those benefits are going to be to the wider world to the publisher before mm-hmm. anyone's really going to be interested in their backstory
1: so there's an efficiency there isn't there you, you say you talk about business and the, and at that on that um side of the, the music industry yeah it it is business it is corporate and that does need to be um that does need to be efficient and quick so going back to what amy said there is a time and place for authenticity and saying oh yeah it's my pa- music's been my passion since i was seven years old but it's probably not in that moment is yeah. it yeah. Yeah. you know that's not a, you know we i know we've just discussed it. that that is important but it's not important right now yeah.
2: But it takes us back to just knowing your audience. Sure, Um, yeah. And and it also takes us back to a really nice quote from Meldra from our intro call, so not on this recording. But you said, separating your actual self from your best representation of yourself.
0: By this point in the podcast, thank you guys so much for your insight and your um, expertise and uh, just chatting to us today because it has been very enlightening. But we usually move to our feature for the incommunicado podcast, which is named, what does it all mean? And we invite our guests to express a piece of jargon from their industry that they know what it means, but we might not necessarily know what it means. And our job is to try and either guess the correct answer or work out what it means. So um, I I may be putting you on the spot here, but I wondered if you do have a piece of jargon, either each of you or collectively, that you know is uh, not very well known in the wider
4: world and whether we could have a go at guessing what that is today. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, do you know what, one that, one that immediately leaps to mind yeah. um, uh, is uh, is like your WC codes in oh. music. right? So your WC, <laughs> you, you think a toilet, right? You
3: are naughty, you've gone with a difficult one. Well, no, 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 <laughs> that's great. That's
0: great because um, what do we think a WC code could be? Amy, do you want to go first?
2: Thanks, James.
1: <laughs> ah! <laughs> only, only because I have I have somewhat of an idea, but it's, it's probably not co- correct anyway, but I could make, maybe so, make an educated guess.
0: Amy, do you want me to hazard have have a guess Yeah, first? go on. Use you some inspiration, okay. So um, WC, w- <sighs> I think it's probably a code that is attached as metadata to a song release, perhaps. And I think that W C. Whilst I I can't think of what the letters might might be, is it something to do with territory? No. Clones. Okay. Clones. All right.
4: Carry well, mm. on. Like no. Is the answer. But uh, the first part was right.
1: Okay. Yeah. So we had a um, we had a, a mastering module uh, at university on our uh, music uh, course, and during that module we were introduced to quite a few different codes. That as uh, as James has said kind of do get attached to CDs or just songs in general, so that when they go around, it's a way of tracking uh, royalties and things like that. That's Mm. where my mind was going. What what do
2: you think WC means?
0: WC? (sighs) Uh, No, hang on a minute, she's cheating here. Amy, what do you think (laughs) WC stands for? (laughs)
2: I
3: see
4: you.
2: (laughs) Can you, Can you give us a clue? Because I would quite like to guess what the...
4: Left oh well, the 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 actually the, to be honest, it's
2: uh, I I I <laughs> <laughs> I. don't know. <laughs>
4: you really well there because you really all like kind of that was a really interesting process. You all collaborated um, <laughs> really? uh, and and kind of kind of kind of got there. But I, I think I think Mr. Burford was straight on it. You know. Uh, yeah. but, um But but uh, what I, I what I should have said was C codes, not W C code. Sorry, I really threw a red herring in there, didn't I? So what I'm referring to is the so the I S W UC, which is like the international standard work code for the which okay. is attached to a songwriting. That's guide. it, that's the one I was thinking of. There you go. And then you got the ISRC code, which is the copyright of the recording. So you got like the two copyrights one for the songwriting, one for the recording. And then you got your other th- things like UPC code, which is like a card number. And, you know, wow. things like that. So but, but so when people talk about so, like, literally this morning I was emailing someone about so like C codes, so yeah, it's all the all the things that are aligned to uh the collection and registration of a song and the song's recording and then it's cataloged. Wow. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Well well done. Yeah, that people. was
4: a deep
0: was, one. That was a good Yeah, that was good. I'd like to hear what Meldra's piece of jargon is as well actually. Have you have you got one that you could present to the group?
3: Well, again I think you'll know. You think you knew you'd know things like Encarmonism or Oh
0: yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, is it enharmonic? Oh. Enharmonic. Yeah, enharmonic. Enharmonic. See, I don't know enharmonic.
1: So, I think I do, but I think that's just from the theory side of our course. Amy, would you like to? I
2: literally do not have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> it so, could be Amy, anything.
1: Amy, so, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> oh did God. you? So if I'm if I'm hearing it correctly, did you say enharmonic? Yes, that's. The so one. Is that when two things sound exactly the same? So like. A, uh, sorry. Let's. What's a good example? Like um, C flat and B. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, yes. I know C flat doesn't, yeah. but you get the idea that. B, the key of B, would technically be C-flat. Do you see what I mean?
3: Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely correct. So it's just a name, depending in which key you want to operate. The Apermonism is basically a situation where it sounds the same, but it can have a different name. And if you've had classical kind of upbringing, then it would be like self-explanatory. But if you have gone from contemporary music side of things, it is never really discussed until suddenly you decide to look at the theory. So, again, it goes back to the very start of the conversation that we should just be very mindful that it's not that people do things on purpose they just don't know and they mm. don't know if they've got the dumb thing and mm. it's fine so don't be nasty we're we gonna it? hand it
4: to mr Burford. he's on fire <laughs> yeah he's
0: yeah
1: <laughs> we get the gold star, James gold, star. <laughs> yeah, gold star i'll put it right on the fridge
0: <laughs> yeah. so that brings us to the end of today's episode Thank you from the bottom of our hearts to Meldra and Johnny for joining us today.
3: Thank you guys. It's been so wonderful to talk to you and, and we're very excited for the work that you're doing and it's been a very fun afternoon with you guys.
4: Yeah, this is exactly what a podcast should be, which is a conversation that doesn't feel like you're being recorded. You know, we just, we're just we just having organic conversation and the three of you are such lovely people and it's a joy for us to to chat with you it really is already <laughs>
0: me well that's so kind thank you so it's very much very kind thank you James. Yeah, and the same brother. to you both so to our listeners we have a variety of guests on this series of Incommunicado so to make sure you don't miss out be sure to get involved Amy would you like to tell our wonderful listeners how they can get involved
2: yes of course thank you James so you can find us across all social media channels at Incom Podcast that's I-N-C-O-M-M Podcast
0: thank you and James when they get to those places what do you think they should do
1: So if you want to get involved, uh, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, follow, uh, whatever verb suits the uh, social media format that you find yourself on. And if you want to get into uh, direct contact with us, you can send us an email at hello at incompodcast.com.
0: You certainly can and if you wish to support the podcast, please head over to the website www.incompodcast.com to find further instructions on how to do that. Thank you so much for listening today. Johnny and Meldra, thank you so much for talking to us today. We will catch up with you in the next episode.